Storymakers. I'm Angie Powers. I'm Elizabeth Stark. And this is Storymakers Show. And today on Storymakers Show, we are going to talk about squeezing it in. Which sounds dirtier than it is. Or, yeah. Anyway, I want to congratulate Elizabeth and Ellen Sussman on completing their spring Sonoma County Writers Camp. That was fantastic. And I'm like fresh back from it, or fresh might not be the right word, but... Um, <laughs> well, you're back anyway. I'm back, and it was thrilling and rejuvenating and inspiring, and um, I'm sure it'll come up in the things I'm thinking about. Excellent. Well, that begs the question, what are you working on? Well, other than general re-entry... Um, because I ended yesterday as we're recording this, so this will come out in a week. Um, I, um, well, I actually started my new project while I was there. So I do, as you know, this morning writing ritual that I do on my own, usually here in our living room with the dog, but, or actually often the dog is still sleeping, <laughs> um, but getting up early, not reading any functional prose um, and get, not getting into language as something, as a tool for, living the practicalities of life but staying in that dream mode and this is from Robert Olin Butler's book From Where You Dream and sometimes reading poetry sitting down and uh, writing and, and meditating so I so I've created that as a ritual that we do together at Sonoma County Writers Camp and um, this time we, we had um, one of our campers would light a fire um, and I eventually learned how to light the fire myself and um, it would be 6 a.m. the the sun just coming up it's gorgeous there and sitting in this room and just nobody talking and everybody's writing or meditating and there's something about being in the presence of other people doing it that makes it matter that makes it that makes you stay there that it's just very it's just very wonderful I mean it's also wonderful doing it on my own but it's really wonderful doing it with everybody there so um in that process um I started writing my my new my new novel that is super exciting and um and i'm staying very open and, and actually when we do steal this i'll i'll talk about kind of the inspiration for that mm-hmm. um yeah so uh what are you working on well right now i'm um mostly working on some skills building honestly rather than a, a particular creative project so you're There's, running around getting b-roll yes that was super fun i did get to go collect some b-roll we shot part of the film on the same location that the Sonoma County Writers Camp happened. Yes. And so up at the pond, I got a chance to get some B-roll to use for transitions. So that was definitely fun. Fabulous. Uh, so Talk be- about squeezing it in. <laughs> I know. So beautiful up there. So wonderful. Um, but the other thing is just, you know, the skills building piece so that as a, a writer who makes films, there are certain things that... Um, being able to do them yourself is great because some projects don't actually require the best of the best to get that done and out and into the world in the way that it needs to be. And some projects really do. And so being able to not get stuck because I don't have a particular skill set um, on those projects where I know it doesn't have to be the best of the best. Well, and also if you're the director, mm-hmm. um, you kind of, it's, I think it's really helpful even if you're not the, the, say you're you're not an expert cinematographer but if you know kind of what it's like if you've you know walked a mile in their shoes right you're going to be a better director absolutely i I agree with that but it's it's funny skills what are the skills you're right now um you know i'm looking into more uh, sort of editing workflow processes and Mm -hmm. then actually color correction because 
one of the things that is true is no matter how diligent you might be, you often come out with clips in different color profiles or uh, different exposure ratios. And so, you know, learning how to do as much as reasonable in, in post, I think is useful. And it's I, so funny because part of me sort of goes, oh, this is super technical and I and it, like I sort of like I like space out a little bit mm-hmm. I and mean, I'm totally listening and I could repeat what you said but but when I think about it in terms of writing you know in terms of the rhythm of a mm-hmm. sentence or is it the tweaking a word or whatever like then I I totally get it right the right. need to really have your hands on every level and think about every choice. Yeah, and I and I don't know if it's true, but I've heard that the Cohen brothers actually edit their own films. Mm. So uh, you know, and Steven Soderbergh shoots his own film. So it's not unprecedented for people to have those. But when you're doing something like corporate video, the truth is you are not going to spend whatever amount of money it's going to take to get you know a crew of twenty people to do a one minute video of somebody's conference in Lafayette. (laughs) So, um, so just again, building on those skills. That's great. Um, and again, I think it's just useful even if you don't do them all to kind of know. Yes. But if, fits thematically into squeeze it in, right? Uh, today's topic. Because, uh, you know, I can, right? I don't have to go look for someone else and hope someone else has time. If I need to do it, I can get it done myself. All right, so maybe part of squeezing it in is having your sort of tool belt fully, you know, kind mm. of stocked and ready to go at all times. I mean, mm. I, I've, I often talk with students about, you know, making sure you have your notebook in the car. And increasingly, it's everybody's taking notes on their phone, Oh my gosh, so many wonderful dictation programs yeah. available now. I use that all the time. I wouldn't think even just, um, I'll just open Evernote and like hit the little microphone icon and just talk while I'm in the car. Sometimes I have to interpret what it interpreted. But that, you know, that's, and I, I actually, because that I do that so much, I've been thinking that wouldn't it be great to walk and dictate, right? Mm-hmm. And therefore, like if I were, you know... If I were walking as much, right? Well, I actually do that when I can, right? I don't walk as much as I should, so I think that's your key point. But do you see how, like, getting to do both? (laughs) Right. So um, I have a new dictation app called um, Just Press Record. And that will be in the show notes. I've used that. I've used Dragon Anywhere. So there's a lot of different apps that you can use. And what's happening that's totally crazy is that you know, as artificial intelligence, com- intelligence comes online, the transcription the transcription is becoming increasingly accurate. Yeah, and so and that's huge because having an hour of of rambling, you know, audio recording. I mean, you're just going to spend seven hours transcribing it to, to little effect, right? Mm-hmm. But having a transcription of an hour of rambling and audio recording, you, you know, that's fantastic. Yes. Right away. So these are tools for squeezing it in. Yes. Which is a great subcategory. Yes. I mean, let's, let's just say, to step back for a minute, that if you are a human being juggling more than one responsibility, and I think, I don't know anybody who doesn't feel busy. I mean, Mm -hmm. even people who are retired and, you know, uh, everybody, feel, it's kind of the condition that we're in right now. Like the modern condition is feeling busy and probably part of it is just that this, this inpouring of information mm. and not knowing how to sort it, right? So just, And just the process of sorting it and making sure you get the important things is yeah. hugely time-consuming, right? So we're all feeling busy. We're all feeling overwhelmed. And, um, and then how do we fit in our creative work? How do we fit in writing 
And, and at the same time, you and I have both discussed this, you know, prior to having kids, which are a major time suck. Mm-hmm. In a good way. In a good way. You, right. you know, we both would be like, oh my God, I only have this amount of time. And now if it is a priority, I think you start saying, you know what, I, you kind of have to step away from that perfectionism. Right? When, when the kids were really little, I learned you, you don't really even have to be fully awake to write. <laughs> and sometimes it helps to just not, I mean, I would, sometimes I'd be like nodding off at the computer. But I think what happens is it takes away your ability to be perfect. And so which if we, you're... Which we don't actually have in the first... Your illusion of right. your ability to be perfect. Absolutely. Right? But we hold on. We all hold on to that dearly, right? Yes. We are artists and we see what is beautiful in the world and worse, we see what could be. Right. Well, it's, and and so, it's, the, it's like the um, This American Life. And he has this quote that's kind of gone viral about... Ira Glass? Thank you. That'll be in the show notes. Uh, it's not in my brain, but it'll be in the show notes. Um, so Ira, the great Ira Glass thing about how kind of our aesthetics are much more advanced than our ability to create. They mm-hmm. always will be, right? No matter, even as we get better and better, but there's this huge gap at the beginning where we're strong readers or we're great critics or whatever. And then we do our thing thinking like, oh, this, I know what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And, and it's nothing like what we know something should be. Like we're really, we have good taste, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But we then can recognize that. So actually squeezing it in is actually a way to work around that. Right. And it's interesting because as you were talking, I I thought to myself, I suddenly imagined the David. Mm -hmm. And thinking... Apparently that whole thing is apocryphal. I did look it up in our last... I don't know what... The whole sort of um, Michelangelo said all I had to do was chip away at everything that wasn't the David. Yeah, that's not what I was going to go to, oh, actually. Right. But it's, it's, it's that interior-exterior thing. So, you know, having had the privilege to stand at the feet of this magnificent work of art, to walk around it, to, you know, interact with it. And you think, well, he knew, right, how awesome it was. And Michelangelo. Michelangelo or David, even. Right, no, no, but, but Michelangelo, <laughs> right. right? And you've created this masterpiece that lasts throughout the ages. So clearly he didn't have insecurity. And yet I think it's sort of the human condition, right? So we're always separated. I'm sorry, I'm just like, there's David going like, does my penis look small in this sculpture? <laughs> it is the human condition. Yes. Um, so it's just interesting to, to think about even the people who were, who were those, you know, icons of the canon for any given medium probably had their own insecurities. Well, right? in a way, that's what drives us forward to the next project, mm-hmm. right? Is like, okay, I did this. It was maybe as good as I could make it under the circumstances in this moment, but now I'm going to try to do the next thing and I'm going to try to do it better. And right. I mean, I do think that drives us forward unless mm-hmm. it keeps driving us backwards. And that's something I have to get over, right? I, I can go back and make the last book even better based on what I know from writing the last draft of the last book, or I can go forward and write the next book and let the book stand right. at its you know 85th draft. I mean, I, I mean just to be clear. <laughs> I don't know. Do you feel like 85 drafts are quite enough? enough? Right, I know. It's like maybe that 86 is the magical one. But it's interesting because in this topic of squeezing it in, you know, you have a choice. And and I I often talk about the Ariel Gore quote from her book, you know, Become a Famous Writer Before You're Dead, right? Which will be in the show notes. Where she mentions, you know, as a 
teen mom, this like drive to write. And literally what that meant was that she would be carrying a notebook around with her. And, uh, you know, in that 10 minutes between the moment she just dropped off her kid and she, the next moment when she just had to be on the road to get to work or whatever it was that she took that, that was the window and she took it. Yeah. And so uh, maybe suffering needs to happen a little bit too. Like, you well, know. definitely. So perfectionism of the art, but also perfectionism of the circumstance. Like, mm-hmm. and I think that comes from the fear. I think that's the same source of fear, which is, oh, I can't really do this. And so it's like, well, I can't really do this, but maybe if I have a room of one's own, and maybe if I have an incredible view, and maybe if I've had an hour of chanting meditation, you know, maybe I'll be able to do it, right? And it's like, no, it's going to still feel the same. It's going to still feel hard to start and better when you get into it. Mm-hmm. And, and also 10 minutes of writing, especially really writing creative. So I do the morning pages and I blab on and I have the same damn themes. I mean, probably no one will ever look at it, but like maybe me looking back and being like, oh my gosh, how many times can I write about like cleaning the house? Like and trying to (laughs) master the organization of the house or whatever. Mm -hmm. So that's all that. And that's great. And it does something psychological and freeing. And it reminds you that you can write at any moment, but daily I have to also include, and I'm back to this, but I let it go for a while. Writing scene, making up character, tapping into voice, making stuff happen. Mm -hmm. And that, if I do a little bit of that, I'm much happier the rest of the day yeah. than if I just do the morning pages. If right. I don't do either, I'm, I'm really badly off. And just to say, um, Pilar Alessandra has her Coffee Break screenwriter book, right? And yeah. that is take 10 minutes and do this. So she, ha- you know, if you guys are looking for, if you're a screenwriter and you're looking for a very constructed way to kind of just get something done in small chunks... She's got a wonderful process in that book. And I think a lot of those exercises work for prose as well. Yeah. So I think that's... And, you know, writing prompts are Right, great. and so it's just that notion that, you know, if, if you can commit to that... I'm going to write for 10 minutes, and that might be two separate five-minute windows. That might be, you know... That most of us can find that kind of thing. And I, don't, I think we don't often trust how much we can get done in those uh, smaller windows. Yeah, yeah. You know, Janice Cook-Newman, who we had on a Mm -hmm. podcast, and the episode will be in the show notes, um, as will this link. She's started a a Facebook group where she daily posts a prompt. And then she, I don't know how she has the bandwidth to do this, but apparently she reads things that people submit, and then maybe 10 of them will go into a, a kind of an online magazine that she publishes maybe also daily with the... Anyway, so she's doing this whole thing, which which is a great... If you want that kind of like just a 10-minute prompt, um, I will put that in the show notes too. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, like part of it is we can't... We cannot wait to do our art until we have time to do our art. Exactly. And art does not... I mean, yes, it would be blissful to have a, a retreat <laughs> mm-hmm. to go away for days, right? It is. It's wonderful. But funnily enough, even at the retreat, it's you have to figure out, well, am I going to hike? Am I going to do yoga? Am I going to write? Am I going to go to this talk? Right. I mean, it's just, a, there's always more possibilities than, um, time. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So we're getting to that point right now where we might move on to steal this. Mm. So Elizabeth, why don't you kick us off with your steal this for this week? Well, I have so much to steal and make my own because I'm just full of the, the presenters, um, at Sonoma County Writers Camp, and um, 
Peter Coyote came again and gave a talk, and uh, it was very, very inspirational for me. I actually got the first line of the book. I mean, I'm sure it won't end up being the first line of the book, but I got a like. I was like, oh, here's thanks the for line. the disclaimer. <laughs> and I, and I do this thing where I I will take notes and then in editorial parentheses I'll put my own thoughts and stuff. So I like editorial print. Here's the line, and but anyway, so so. This is my paraphrase of a few things that he said that were really fantastic. Um, I have two. One is he said, um, kind of like your mind, uh, your your head opens up in the back and in your mind or your mind opens up in the back to infinity. And basically kind of like the, the you know, he talked in this sort of Buddhist way about the illusion of the self and that the self is really fluid and changing and um, not a little like acorn in your liver or whatever. And so, but kind of therefore... Um, you you aren't kind of also, st- I mean, this is me now, but like stuck or limited to kind of your own little bit of interiority. You're, you're really, you know, that you can sort of open up. And it just reminded me of like what inspired free writing feels like when you're not afraid um, or judging your own little self and your own little self thoughts, but that you realize like, I don't know, it sounds too woo-woo to be like, oh, you're a channel or whatever. It's, it's, it's not necessarily like a specific consciousness but our consciousness isn't a specific consciousness right it's it's it keeps reshaping itself no not mine (laughs) yours most especially (laughs) so um so that was one thing and then the other thing he said and again this is my paraphrase but he he said that um he he went he became an actor at 40 he decided you know I just didn't want to wonder he says you know have that what if and so he decided he would give himself five years or two years or something and that but he was 40 and he said uh humbly that you know there were other guys who were younger more talented and better looking than he was and he didn't even live in hollywood right so he so he said to himself i have to go there as a star already like how do i become an actor at 40 so i have to go there as a star and he picked Paul Newman and analyzed, sort of broke down, like, what is it, what is it like to be Paul Newman? What is Paul Newman about? And then imagining going into these audition meetings as Paul Newman, while Paul Newman wouldn't be like shake. And this is Paul Newman, of course, 40 years ago or 30 some years ago. So this is at the height of his fame and success. And so he wouldn't feel, you know, needy and afraid. And do will these people like me? He wouldn't be asking, do do these people like me? He would be asking, uh, are these people full of shit? Mm-hmm. Like that's what he, you know, and he wouldn't be sweating, he wouldn't be shaking, and he went in there as Paul Newman, and did his auditions like from that place. And he said his agent was said he closed like half of his auditions, which is just unheard of. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just and I thought, okay, like let's all live as if we were already the people. And I thought about two people. I thought about Jennifer Egan. And Ann Patchett. And, and I got a couple quick things, and I'll, I'll wrap up with this. But um, with Je- especially from Jennifer Egan is that she just, she has this crazy process. You know, she handwrites on legal pads. She, a whole, her whole draft, she types it up. She reads it. She gets completely depressed because it's terrible. She figures out what's there. She writes, you know, once she wrote a single-space 80-page treatment, right? She, like, figures it out, and then she redoes it all, right? But that, So that's how she does it. And she's like, I don't recommend this as a process, but it's mine. And because she's successful, you know, she just 
that's what she does. Like, oh, I'm writing a new book. Okay, here I go. I'm going to write a, this terrible handwritten draft. I'm going to. So I thought that's great. And then the other thing I thought about Ann Patchett and how generous she is. You know that she's co-founded this bookstore. That she always picks a book that she's going to promote. David Sedaris does this too. But like this generosity of promoting other writers. And the truth is, we don't have to be you know world famous to be generous and to be an ally to other writers so I loved those two things that were like my starting point of like okay um what if what if you know anyway so that's some of the things I'm stealing excellent well mine is much more um limited (laughs) uh you know so again I was talking about learning about color and um I think that one of the things there's so many ways to inject depth into your work and one of the literal depth like perspective or you mean actual like metaphorical depth I mean when you're talking about writing okay and you're creating worlds okay I just character color correction I was like do you I wasn't talking about color correction I actually was talking about color so I was saying that like I'm looking at color and Mm. in the context of color correction and so, you know, there are so many individual ways that we can add depth. We were talking about ironing. I was talking about character cuts from Carol Wolf during the presentation. And this notion of, of simplifying things but finding relevant contradictions to create that sense with, of complexity that isn't actually that complex to uh, isolate but is complex when you're reading it as a reader so the, you know we talk about those pieces where a character is you know a police officer who's actually really um you know i don't know i'm trying to think those those things that we, that we we get set up with an expectation matt bird talked about this set up that expectation and so you know two pieces of your three big personality pieces for your character align, make sense, reinforce each other. And a third one somewhat contradicts those. And that gives us a sense of depth in in those pieces. So thinking about color and how, just like anything, the way that we think about color, even in prose, if you were to just think about, okay, we have this character, they're seeing this scene, what color is the room and why is it that color? Not because I'm sitting in a yellow room and so I'm writing about people in a yellow room. But I choose those descriptions mm. and to evoke those colors for my reader with some intention. And so that's my steal of this for this week. You're saying it from the, the color, color correction, correction yes. people. And a little Carol Wolf thrown yes. in. Yes. Uh, fantastic. Well, please send us your questions, comments, suggestions, and thank you for joining us. See you next week.